The theme this month and of my sermon today is Embracing Possibility. When I began writing this, it seemed to me that the most important possibility for all of us is the opportunity to build a life of purpose and meaning based on our values. That requires two things. First, that we define those values, what's important to us, and second, that we envision a future in which we dedicate our lives to serving those values. Okay, but that sounds a little bit lofty. What does it mean for our ordinary day-to-day -day lives? How do we actually behave in ways that make life purposeful? The fact is that our values change throughout our lives, hopefully becoming more refined and truer to ourselves as we age. And our vision of the future, the horizon of our planning, expands and contracts with circumstances. So possibility isn't just a static, unchanging thing. It's a journey, shifting, flexing, and guiding our actions as we move through the stages of life. I share with you here my life stages as I perceive them from my perspective as I circle the sun for the 74th time. I hope that this represents something universal in how we grow and change into becoming ourselves and that this will give you some food for thought. Writing this was very helpful in reviewing my own values and goals. I encourage you all to explore your own. Introspection can be a very useful exercise. So here we go. Kindergarten. What was my opportunity horizon at the age of five? Well, the future was unlimited, of course, though I didn't have the maturity or cognizance to appreciate it yet. Mortality wasn't even on the radar. I was too occupied gaining the skills and values needed to become fully human. Don't hit people. Always flush. Be kind. Hold hands when you cross the street. This is how we tie our shoes. High school. By now I had developed many of the social skills and moral values required to be integrated into society. Though learning how to deal with girls was still a challenge. I caused and experienced my own share of pain as I continued to learn. My horizon of opportunities now stretched far into the future, but I still didn't really dwell yet on college, career, marriage, and family. Death? <laughs> Are you kidding? I was immortal. In my callow youth, I was largely concerned with having fun. Hey, surf's up. College. When it came to college, which was a foregone expectation, I still was unsure of my life plan, though my working hypothesis was that a degree and profitable career were in my future. But my long-range horizon of opportunity was still vague. In all honesty, I wasn't sure of what I wanted to be when I grew up, let alone what major to choose for the remainder of my education. My father advised that if I wasn't sure which way to go, why not choose economics, which was his major and had served him well in his career. Besides, the main advantage of a bachelor's degree was simply learning how to think critically and communicate cogently rather than train for a specific job. 
It turned out that economics suited me quite well. And while I excelled academically, at least at first, I met my future wife as my future started to gel. But then world events intervened and changed my horizon of possibilities going forward. By my junior year, I was getting burned out on college. The Vietnam War was going hot and heavy, and if I didn't stay in school, the draft would probably send me to distant jungles with a rifle in my hand and ordered to murder people I had never met. So I enlisted in the Navy with a promise to be trained as a sonar operator in anti-submarine warfare. As far as I knew, North Vietnam had no submarines. So I committed to military service and my opportunity horizon, the width and depth of my future, shrunk to the three-year enlistment. There would be many life plans after that, but my attention was focused on getting through life in the Navy and the rest would just be on hold for the time being. When I was once again a civilian, I completed my bachelor's degree and entered the job market, which at the time was uh, pretty lethargic. I took a job as a bank officer with a title, much responsibility, long hours, authority to manage large sums of money merely on my signature, and frankly, pretty low pay for the effort required. My, hor my horizon of opportunity was fairly wide and income secure, but I hated the work. I truly loathed it. And the expectation of spending the next 30 years chained to a desk Counting other people's money was just appalling. So I abandoned banking in favor of a blue collar job operating high voltage electrical equipment with DWP. The work was interesting, I was good at it, and the pay was well above that of a bank assistant branch manager. Now my life entered a phase in which I could really get a grip on my future. My opportunity horizon expanded. So many possibilities. My college sweetheart and I had married before my Navy discharge, but we agreed to postpone children until we had a solid financial footing. So early in my new career, we had our first child. Oh, how my life changed. Now I was an exultant father with a wonderful wife and a solid job I enjoyed. The future seemed unlimited, the possibilities endless. But life has a funny way of squelching the best laid plans. In 1990, uh, 1983, I was diagnosed with malignant melanoma, a deadly form of cancer. It started with a black spot on my back. The doctor said I had an 80% chance of recovery, assuming that surgery had removed all the tumor. But months later, I found a lump in my armpit and then another, and then another. And soon it became a race to stay ahead of the metastasis, a race I was almost certain to lose. I recently read a great book titled Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, whose words I cited at the beginning of this service. In it, he says the following. People with serious illnesses have priorities besides simply prolonging their lives. Surveys find that their top concerns include avoiding suffering, strengthening relationships with family and friends, 
being mentally aware, not being a burden on others, and achieving a sense that their life is complete. So my horizon of opportunity shrunk to the new reality. My new goal became simply to die well. I've seen several friends end their lives badly. Cancer and the palliative care that comes at the end of life often has bad side effects. My friend Jerry passed from lymphatic cancer, but all the drugs they administered to him changed him profoundly. He became paranoid and confused. Sadly, he turned in anger to his beloved wife of many years and in his delirium said many cruel things to her. She was distraught. But the husband whom she loved was by that time gone. He literally was not himself. I'm told that this is not uncommon. I became very concerned that I would suffer the same fate. So I spoke to a close family member to give them this warning. If in my last days I change in the way that Jerry did, know that it is not me. I have loved you my entire life and always will. Remember me as I am now and don't let palliative drugs convince you otherwise. I fought my illness with everything I had <clears throat> I took part in a highly experimental treatment that proved ineffective. I underwent massive radiation therapy, which had never proved effective, but was a long shot last hope. <coughs> Excuse me. I practiced intense positive visualization and did my best to love my family and friends as I waited for whatever would come. A month passed with no change, then two, then four. Six months after my last radiation treatment, my doctors and I started to believe my cancer had simply given up and left me against all odds. I could finally breathe a sigh of relief. In 1985, I was free of the dark cloud hanging over me and my future opened up. I've never put much value into acquiring material wealth and fame and glory didn't interest me. I was never going to be a renowned surgeon or reinvent society with my political acumen. Instead, I set out to explore my world, gain skills far and wide, engage life in a huge range of activities, and specialize in nothing. I get satisfaction from being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. As author Robert Heinlein once opined, specialization is for insects. So I learned to make music with a variety of instruments, including my voice. I even made a banjo from a tambourine. It sounded pretty good. I built furniture, overhauled car engines, caught the computer bug in its infancy, explored the heavens with a collection of telescopes, baked bread, 
installed plumbing and electrical systems in my home. I built and fiberglass my own surfboard. I taught myself the complexity of celestial navigation using a sextant. My wife and I joined a UU church, and my interest in comparative religion exploded as I developed and refined my own sense of spirituality. I drew special satisfaction from sharing my knowledge and skills serving the needs of others. I taught computer literacy at Pierce College and often uh, offered private tutoring. I trained women to work with high-voltage electrical systems, uh, which was a traditionally all-male occupation. And one of them became the first female to operate the generators at Hoover Dam. I was proud of that. I installed digital networks for small businesses. I photographed weddings. At our UU Church, I served on numerous committees and the board, including two terms, as board president. These were the salad days. I was young and healthy, had a wonderful family, and was alive with the excitement of living and growing in a world of endless possibilities. After work, there were so many moonlight opportunities that I rarely got home before 11 and then woke at 4.30 a.m., eager to begin a new way. Life was good, and I was right where I wanted to be. Ah, to have such energy again. Life took its course as it will. Eventually, I reached retirement. Then came a series of ups and downs to be appreciated or endured as they must. I lost my dear wife in 2013, followed by profound depression, alcohol abuse, rehab, and at last I regained the will to live with renewed excitement at possibilities. But our interests and goals in life's last chapters are not the same as when we were young. Here's another passage from Being Mortal. As our time winds down, we all seek comfort in simple pleasures, companionship, everyday routines, the taste of good food, the warmth of sunlight on our faces. We become less interested in the rewards of achieving and accumulating and more interested in the rewards of simply being. Yet while we may feel less ambitious, we also become concerned for our legacy. And we have a deep need to identify purposes outside ourselves that make living feel meaningful and worthwhile. And so it is with me. I have a new love interest. Her name is Gail, and I am blessed to once again put my arms around someone who gives me such joy. I still find new interests and hobbies and grow more convinced every day that family and friends are the most important gifts in life. I have no fear of being dead, though I confess some apprehension about getting there. The ancient samurai practiced an end-of-life ritual that I admire. Nearing death, the warrior would compose a final poem, a haiku, that summed up his life and its meaning. I like that. I'd like to wrap my time here up with a neat bow. I want to leave this world Alexa, stop.
Ah, modern life. I want to leave this world with gratitude for the great gift of life and all the love I have known. And despite all my many mistakes and transgressions, I hope that when the scales are finally balanced, that the world will have been a better place for my being in it. Please, may it be so.